This is Kai Foser and you're listening to the Fulham Focus podcast. So, nice to see our reverse fixture with the spam went hand in hand with the first. A big opportunity missed to shake off our abysmal run of form, which is now five consecutive defeats in a row for Marcus Silva and the Whites. The XG gods called it and we should have listened, but whilst I'm only half joking with that, we need to look at what's going wrong for us right now and if the next win can come from Everton this weekend. Our days of getting points from the bottom half team seem to be numbered as we sadly sink slowly but surely down to their level in the table. Tactical shift required now more than ever is Vinicius, generally the worst thing since socks and sandals, and much more. With me are Luke Sarge Sargent and Matt Wigger Wiggins. I'm J Mac. This is Easter Enders on your Fulham Focus podcast. Fulham. Right, lads, so. Yeah, it's it's quite it feels quite bleak and boring at the moment uh, with our style of play and just general results. I, I've I feel like we've all been miserable since uh, Manchester United away in the FA Cup, really, and that's that's quite a long time now. We go. Yeah, it feels like ages ago, doesn't it? Um, yeah, pretty bleak on Saturday, to be honest with you. And it was one of them. West Ham did what they needed to do. It was a I wouldn't say a smash and grab, but it was a smash, part the bus and run. Um, I guess would probably be a fair assumption. And actually, that's what West Ham fans said as well. So uh, it's not like they thought they played us off the park. It was uh, it was quite the opposite, really. But uh, lo and behold, VAR and the PGMOL strike again. Uh, and it wasn't to be. And obviously, we're now sitting on the back of another defeat. The only sort of saving grace is that we can afford to sit on four Premier League defeats in a row. You know, we're on 39 points now. The It's highly likely we will stay up. You know, there's a quite a lot of reactionary takes sort of going about saying, that, you know, we're in trouble. We could still go down. I mean, I think one team's gone down with 39 points or more in the last 21 years. We'd have to be seriously unlucky if we were to be dragged into a relegation fight now, especially considering how many teams there are in it. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it's a loss. We lost. It's one of those things. We could be there now and we still wouldn't have bloody scored. Um, but we're on 39 points. We're still in mid-table. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say it's all doom and gloom. It is what it is. Yeah, but it's just that 39 points we've had for so long, Sarge. It's just just, just a draw I would have taken. I'll take a draw anywhere at the moment. I don't even know where the next win is coming from at the moment, to be honest. It all seems to, we all seem a bit muddled with our style of play. But yeah, just anything you added, wanted to add on to Wigo there in terms of opening thoughts, mate? Yeah, I think we're just... We're at that annoying point of the season now where we've not really got anything to play for. Other teams are, are fighting and scrapping. And when we first looked at the fixture list and we saw the teams we were going to play, we were all probably quite happy about you know playing bottom half teams for the running. But actually, where we are now, not having anything to fight for ourselves, we're in a bit of no man's land and everyone that we're going to come up against is going to be scrapping. I actually think we're probably more likely to get a result somewhere random like Liverpool away because they don't have a lot going on at the moment. Neither do we. And there's no pressure on us to win that game. I think the players might relax into that a little bit more um, and maybe maybe put in a bit more of a performance. But I think we're just at a point now where it's, it's it's awful to say because it's been such a good season, but you, you kind of want the season to be over now because 
we've kind of achieved what we set out to achieve. We're in a nice position in the table. And the longer it goes, the worse it could start to look without really being that bad. Yeah. I, I just think, it's like you say, we don't have much to play for, it seems, at the moment. And it's just quite frustrating because I don't think any of us actually thought we were going to get Europe. But it, it would be a real shame for us to to end it on this sort of with this sort of form. I don't think I think we'll definitely get obviously a few more wins towards the end of the season. It just all feels a just a bit bleak at the moment. And obviously, of course, we go. The main talking point is yet another handball with this team, and that's six points taken from us with the goals that all should have technically been chalked off for fuck's sake. So whilst it's still a bit of a joke, I mean, it doesn't seem that uh, it almost doesn't seem as much of a big deal as last time because we're just not playing very well are we yeah that was my thought on it really actually I left West Ham away in October absolutely raging like I I left as soon as that third goal went in I was I was gone so to come out of Saturday I went oh it was handball again they should have bloody seen it but I wasn't raging it's a really weird one but I think it's because at that point of the season in October, you think that every point is going to be crucial. That even yeah. though we had had a good start, we still needed to get as many points as we could because ultimately you thought at some point we're going to slip down and be battling for our lives. So, yeah, back then you're obviously going to be absolutely livid. Um, but Saturday, yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? I mean, with all the controversy going on, especially around you know Brighton, for example, on Saturday as well. You know, and I know there's been a lot going on with referees, but I really don't think it's hard to ask someone to do a competent job if you're going to be a top official. I mean, it is so bloody obvious that he's handballed it. And there's VAR. What are you watching? Like, you know, just come on. It, we we should expect better. They shouldn't. They shouldn't be allowed to get away with it. And all this ref support UK, who by the way are a joke. Um, yeah. You know, to come out and go, well, give them a break. You're top. You're meant to be the best officials in the country. Do your bloody job, mate, for God's sake. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But as I said, I'm not as annoyed as I was when we played them away. So, uh, you know, lucky it's not that sort of stage of the season. It seems that, I mean, before we get into the reasons why we weren't very good and actually why it's not as big a blow this time with the technical handball. I think we should start with the story of the lineup. I mean, Tosin started this game, uh, Mr. Sergeant, and he statistically, I think he probably was the best guy on the pitch, maybe. Arguably, maybe Leno as well. But I just want to know your thoughts on Tosin in this game because I feel like he was probably one of the... I thought he did a good job in silencing people like Ings and Antonio. Yeah, I think he... He's good for these sorts of games where teams are going to bank in against us because he does play through the lines. Like Diop's got a fairly decent sort of cross-field ball. He can he can hit a diagonal ball, not as well as Tozin can. But what Tozin can also do is play on the deck through the lines. And when you're coming up against a team that likes to bank in, and West Ham were pretty much playing with two banks of four at the weekend, uh, that is you know that that is what you want. You need someone to be able to to play through not press because they weren't pressing but play through the banks and that is what Tozin does that Diop doesn't really have in his locker if if it's Diop then you are really just looking at Ream to play out mm. Tozin just provides another angle for those those moves forward and it, look I've, I've said it before here I, I think Tozin is a good player I think he gets a bit of unfair stick sometimes I think the expectation is higher on him than it is on others and therefore if he's not quite up to that expectation he, he gets a bit more of a 
a bit more of a hard time off of fans. Um, you know, I, I think it's much of a muchness at this point in the season. I was surprised to see Cedric start, but then yeah, that was Marco weird. Silva came out. Yeah, he came out and said that he wanted someone that was a bit more offensive. I mean, I think Tete's been very good going forward this season. I'm not really sure how well that stands up to scrutiny and saying that Cedric was going to offer more. I don't really understand um, that logic that um, Cedric's more offensive. Tete's one of, like, always been probably our most offensive fullback, I'd say, probably. Oh, well, definitely yeah. one-on-ones. The, only, the only thing offensive the only thing offensive about Cedric on Saturday was the fact that he was starting. What right, a fucking yeah. joke that was. But do you think there's possibly Honestly. that there's something in his um ob- his contract, his loan contract that he has to have certain minutes or something? I just I just found it really weird, really weird. No, no, I I think it's a case of you've got to try and Marcus always got to try and keep a happy camp. I think as fans we don't always think about this, and it, it's part of the reason that Tosin drops in and out again. You've you've got to try and keep players happy. You don't want un- unhappy players mulling around the place bringing the mood down with everybody and I think you've kind of got to give these players some opportunities here and there to play and to be fair as a right back they played um, was it for nows for nows played on the left for them didn't he but he doesn't really play from the left he tucks in anyway so said so the, the thought process probably was they're going to come here they're going to they don't really play with a, a left winger as such um, so the defensive, the defensive style side, I think, is not going to be, it's not going to be too, too asking of Cedric there. And this is a game that you could play him in. I, I don't think you'll see him play, you know, in a lot of games. I certainly don't think you'll see him play against Everton. Um, but it might just be a case of keep him, keep him happy, keep him involved. And I, I'm not, I'm not sure I would have done it, but. I think there is something to be said for that. I'm not sure if he's happier now. I don't think any of us are happier now. But I think it's interesting because... Go go on. I was going to say, do you think the club are looking to actually get value for money if they are actually spending 100k a week on him? Because, you know, it's one expensive backup, isn't it? Um, And you wonder if there's something to be said about... Because, you know, look at how many crosses we put in on Saturday... You know how many of them were successful is a complete different story, but the amount of attempted crosses from both fullbacks combined. You wonder if that was something to do with it. Does he think Cedric's Cedric is a better crosser of the ball? You know, it's one of those, isn't it? You don't know exactly what Silver's thought process is, but you wonder if the stat for the crossing has something to do with the change in the lineup. Who knows? It's something to think well, about. The crossing, I'm- I'm glad you mentioned that because now we can move on to just the problem at the moment. I mean, just all the amount of shite cross buns that were going on. I mean, just absolutely fucking wayward. There's like, there seems to be such, uh, such like post stamps on, on everything we're doing at the moment, Sarge, in terms of our attack. I feel like we've completely sort of abandoned the way we used to play at the first half of the season with being, I felt like we were a brilliant counter-attacking sort of team uh, with Marcus Silva's style of wanting as minimal passes as possible and always going, you know, vertically rather than horizontally. But now it feels like we've gone back to a sort of a Scott Parker type of style where we play everything in front of us and it's all very slow and telegraphed, post-stamped, whatever you want to call it. And it's starting to get a bit really quite worrying to look at. And I just, just, I never thought we would score. Uh, well, I mean, apart from the end, but we'll come to that in a bit. But yeah, just there's something very wrong here. Yeah, the, the counter-attacking thing I think is is gone by the wayside a little bit because teams are wary of us now. Like you know, okay. we we played the first half of the season. We 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 were very direct. We caught teams out. We went from back to front very very quickly. I think teams know that we're going to do that now. So they're, not, they're just not leaving as much space. 
for us to exploit. I think we had a bit of that surprise factor when we came up. Um, teams hadn't really seen us a lot. I don't, I don't think, you know, teams would have watched us loads in the championship last season. And also in the championship last season, we had a lot of possession, so that counter-attack wasn't always on. Um, so I think we caught teams out. I think teams are sort of wise up to it a bit, and that's making it more difficult. I think the other side of it is just, like we were saying earlier, in October, you know, through the new year, those first few games after the World Cup, it was really important that we we went out and got points on the board. And I I don't think this should be a thing, but I think we have to acknowledge that it is a thing. In the same way that we as fans are probably looking at this season now going, nah, it's kind of petering out. The players probably know that too. And they're not making those same lung-busting runs. They're not chasing down every ball as though their life depended on it. And look, Palinia has been unbelievable. What a sign he's been. He's been a great player all season. Even his level's not quite the same as it was earlier in the season. I think we're just at a point where the players are aware that the season's drifting a little bit. And I think they've kind of achieved their goal. They had that potential target of Europe, but that kind of started to fall away a little bit. And now we are just kind of floating. I think the the, the FA Cup was the last real, that, that was the last real thing to fight for. And, and we fought for it and we probably fought for it a bit too much. Um, and that's why we ended up in the trouble that we're in. But I think now it is a case of the players are, I don't want to say they're on the beach. I think they're still playing. They still want to win games. But that little extra 2% that turns you from a team that is really, really difficult to play against and no one wants to play against you to a team that is, if we stick to our guns, we can keep this lot out. I think that's where we're at now. West Ham banked in. They they weren't interested in doing anything after they scored, let's be honest. Um, And we're just not quite at that same level of, of desperation really to get points on the board we've kind of done the job and that's that's where we're at and it is up to the manager and the coaching staff to find a way to turn that around and to make sure that these players are turning up and getting results because there is the danger that if the season does drift away it can bleed into next season that has happened before if you think about the season before we got relegated um the the first time around under martin yolan moulin steen and McGat, the end of the season before was shocking. We we really really did drift, and it, we never recovered from it. So there is there is an element of it where we need to we need to pull our socks back up. But yeah, it, it, you I've, know it's it's a I, bit of a determining factor at the moment. I think. I think that United defeat has taken a lot more out of us than they let on, because you know we were unbelievable for seventy minutes. There is no denying that that was some of our best football of the entire season. So and since then, I mean, I was at Bournemouth last week, and for the first for the first yeah. thirty minutes, we were all right. But other than that, we were shit. Like we were terrible. So I really do think the confidence has been knocked more than they will let on. As a professional, you have to come out in the press and say, you know, it happens. We react to it. We keep. We go again. So on and so forth. But mentally, I definitely think there's been a confidence change there since that. And it's only natural. I'm not saying it's a bad thing because you expected it anyway. But I think to deny that there has been would be slightly naive, in my opinion. So I definitely think that has flipped some sort of switch there. Well, we all predicted there was either two ways it was going to go, that we would either come back from this with a big siege mentality and, you know, justice for Mitrovic and we'd all sort of guns firing and, and get some good results and be like like we know we can be or the other one was a hangover and it looks like as you both have pretty much convinced me and 
I was listening that it is a hangover that's happening. And I will say, it's an interesting one that Sarge brings up because you say, you know, we're floating. There's also a lot of scapegoating going on because I understand completely that there are players on the beach um, or a little burnt out and not doing the jobs as successfully as they were once doing, such as Pereira, for example, maybe even Willian to an extent, and, and Robinson. But what happens is, is that now you've got, when you've got other players like that drifting off, it makes the one target quite easy to tap, which is Carlos Vinicius. Now, I think Carlos Vinicius is doing a really not very great job. I mean, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not I'm not backing him here. I agree that, you know, the definition of man, this cliche of doing the same thing every time and expecting a different result is starting to happen for Marcus Silva a bit, and we need to tap, like tweak things tactically. But I don't actually think Carlos Vinicius had the worst game that everyone's saying that he had. Um, he sets up that amazing chance at the end, which Pereira should finish, in my opinion. But when he's not getting the service or people close enough to him and every cross is actually above his head, no matter how physical he looks or should be, it, it just it makes you just sort of... I don't know, Wigger. I, I'm, I, you know, what I thought some Vinicius. I, I know he's not great, but I also know I don't think he's worthy of all this um, scapegoating that's going on. And I don't know what your thoughts are in the game and just generally how he's been doing, and you know, etc., etc. Well, you know my thoughts on Vinny. Absolutely love him. He seems like a great bloke, but uh, as a footballer, <laughs> it's, it's not been great this season. At the, at the end of the day, he's always going to be in Fulham folklore for that Chelsea that Chelsea winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah, brilliant, yeah. brilliant from him to get into that position and won us the game, got us our first win over them in, you know, 17 years. It, it was amazing and a brilliant night. It's a tricky one, isn't it? I've said it all season. People have to be realistic with their expectations on what you expect a number two striker to look like. If you've got a strike, a first choice striker who's always going to play, who will serve an eight game ban and then be back in as soon as he can, you, you've you got to be realistic with who you're going to have as a willing backup. Now, one, one thing you've got to look at as well is that we did leave it late to get a backup striker in. So it's a scramble. But then, yeah, you've... Who is who is going to come knowing they're going to be number two? No unbelievable striker is. It's one of yeah. those, isn't it? You've just got you've got to be realistic about it. And we're now at a stage where Vinny is going to get a run of games, and it's actually going to be, you know, it, in theory, it could make or break his Fulham career really because he needs a goal. Like he's got a couple yeah. this season, but he needs to make the most of these starts. Admittedly, it's going to be difficult when the rest of the team are playing shit as well as him. So it's one of those, isn't it? It's so tricky to call. I really like him and I feel really sorry for him because he's definitely being scapegoated. But well, he's I, not I feel sorry for been him. brilliant. Yeah, I feel sorry for him. He's not been brilliant and I feel sorry for him because I feel like he's falling under the sort of curse of all our secondary strikers have always had. Because I think if, if Mitchell had a big injury or a big suspension last season and that, you know, that record-breaking stuff that he did, Muniz would have been hated eventually because he wasn't that great. And, you know, it was the same with Madger, um, two, you know, two, two and a half years ago. It was a, almost the same. It was definitely the same with AK-47. Madger was it, first choice. Well, he was first choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mitro was second. <laughs> yeah. Mitro was third choice, actually. I don't know what I'm on about. Cavalero was second. Yeah, Cavalero. <laughs> we need Madger this weekend. Yeah, it's because of him. We won at Goodison. No, we fucking don't. Uh, <laughs> but I, I yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, Sarge. I, I'm finding it all quite. You, you know, we, we've talked about Vinicius to death, and I don't want it to seem like you know this is the 
the show that says that we love him because I don't. I actually see the side of it, the fact that he's not performing very well. But you do look at the chance that he created at the end of the game, and you've got to say Pereira should be actually chipping it or actually hitting it first time rather than trying to go around Fabianski. Um, just your thoughts, mate. I don't really know where I'm going with that one. No, I mean, I'm a bit of a broken record when it comes to this second striker situation. I, you know, I've made it my thoughts clear uh, in group chats, in on the pods, in articles. You know, we're, we're, we're not going to get much better. Could we get better? Yeah, we could get a better striker than Carlos Vinicius to play backup, but we're not going to get someone much better. And what you need from your backup striker is, is someone that can come in and affect a game. And to be fair to Carlos Vinicius... It's it's in very brief moments, but he does affect games. He, he scored the winner against Chelsea. He set up the winner against Brighton. He set up what should have been an equaliser at the weekend. He does have an impact on games. It, it, they're fleeting moments, but they are moments that can change scorelines. Um, I, I think the team as a whole is struggling at the moment. And when the team as a whole is struggling, your striker is going to struggle. <laughs> Mitrovic could have played at the weekend and... Let's be honest, the quality of the crosses that were going in the box, even he would have struggled to make any of them look like anything more than they 100%. were. 100%. So, Mitrovic brings more to the team because he drops off, he brings others into play. He's such a good hold up player that he relieves a lot of pressure on the possession of the midfield and the defence, and he provides a different type of outball that, that Vinicius just doesn't. But the fact of the matter is, anyone that's able to do anywhere near that, even if they did it at 75% of what Mitrovic is doing, they're, they're playing a starting position every week for someone else it's it's just the way it is and you look at the other teams in this league and the strikers that are out there in the other teams in this league it, it could be so much worse it, Danny said the other day that Leicester have got Vardy and Ian Acho and that's a better sort of like two-pronged op- opportunity than what we have at the moment because of Vinicius well Ian Acho scored one more goal than Carlos Vinicius all season Jamie Vardy scored one less so that doesn't work Wolves have got Diego Costa, Raul Jimenez and Mateus Cunha. Between them, they've scored one goal this season. Sure. All three of them. You know, like, strikers are not just out there looking to be picked up. Everyone needs a striker. You know, Brighton have fallen upon Evan Ferguson because they've never had a striker. And the whole time they've been in the Premier League, they've not had a striker. So they've got this 18-year-old and brilliantly for them, he has come up trumps and he has been really, really good. The, the problem for Brighton is, is that if he carries on as good as he is, unfortunately for them, in a similar way that it would happen with us, someone's probably going to come and nick him because everyone needs a striker. Chelsea need a striker. Manchester United need a striker. So if big teams like that can't find a first-choice striker, how the hell are Fulham going to find a second-choice striker? It's, it's not going to happen. We need to be realistic, as Wigo said, in our expectation of these players. Mm. On sort of Pereira and, and the team dropping off as a whole... We've got to remember, Andreas Pereira has been playing since last January without a break, aside from the World Cup, which wasn't a break because they still had to come back and play half a season. Anthony Robinson, look, he's had a few mares recently. I, I don't think, you know, the handball is a handball, but I, I don't think that's the reason that they scored and that cross should never get into the box. Tim Ream doesn't have a good clearance. But between Robinson and Ream, they haven't had a break either. They played a 46-game championship season. They went to the World Cup, played every game in the team that made it to the knockouts, and they've come back and they play every week for us. We, we don't have a squad that is capable of, you know, supplementing these drop-offs. And, we're, we, you know, we're, we're seeing it. But fortunately for us, they did so well for the first part of the season that it, it's not affecting us in a massive way now. 
Leicester have been without Madison for most of the season. Look at the shit they're in. You know, yeah. if you lose big players and you're not a big six team, it, it can make or break your season. Fortunately for us, ours have stayed fit for the majority of it. They're still fit now. We've lost Mitrovic to a suspension. That's having a massive effect. Where the performances have tailed off have been Palina's suspension where he missed two and then Mitrovic's suspension now. They're, they're probably our two biggest assets in the team. And between losing each of them, that's had the biggest impact on our results. And that's just where we are. Hopefully, the team can find a way to turn it around. We can pick up some t- points to get at teams that are maybe not as confident. I think Everton is, is an opportunity, to be fair, because they've, they've got to come and try and beat us. And we can go there with a little bit. There's not really any pressure on us in that game. I know we've lost a few games. There's not really pressure on us in that game. That might be the one for us to turn things around a bit. But mm. I think we just got to accept we are where we are. It's interesting because... I think you make a good point. Of, you, you make a good point about Robinson because, you know, admittedly, the last couple of weeks, he has dropped a couple of massive clangers. Bournemouth away being one and then Arsenal away just completely not challenging for the header. But aside from that, he's had a really good season. And, you know, you can't fault his effort and his stamina. He is up and down that wing all the time. All right, his end product needs a bit of work. But, you know, he's been brilliant. And earlier in the season, we were saying, you know, City are linked, piss off, we want at least 60 million. And now people are saying we should drop him or he's not good enough. It's very reactionary. There's some very reactionary thoughts going on at the moment. And all right, sometimes he runs like he's tied his legs together. But he he has been (laughs) brilliant overall this season. He's been he's been really good, and it's just a reactionary opinion. If you lose a few games in a row, and all of a sudden he's not good enough, you know he is good enough. He has been good enough. His crossing needs work. I think even the the biggest Robinson fans can hopefully hopefully admit his crossing does need some work. When you're going to have strikers who are going to win the ball in the air, but if he could cross like Trent Alexander Arnold, he he wouldn't play for Fulham. Like that's that's the reality of it, isn't it? Like you know, we say City but were think, linked. Uh, the reason they probably haven't come in with a bid for him is because of his delivery. It's if, a giant if, he, paradox, if he could, isn't it? yeah, yeah. It's, if, if you know Pep Guardiola said it, and I know it's probably a bit tongue in cheek, but the fact of it is probably there. If Tim Ream was doing what he's doing now at the age of twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, he we probably wouldn't be able to keep him because of how good he's been at times this season. It that is that is the world we live in. The problem is, Sarge, is that, yeah, yeah, his crossing's not going to be as good as Alexander-Arnold's, but I'm flipping amazed when Robinson puts in a decent cross, and that's the problem. I shouldn't be. He should put yeah. he should put in more decent crosses. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, you've got to put in, you've got to put in some. If you're yeah, going to rely right. on your wingers on the overlap, you've got to be able to cross the ball a lot better than he has. I'm not saying... I'm not saying he should be getting 100% cross accuracy and 25 assists a season... You know, it's understandable if some are going to go astray, but it just feels like there's too many for someone for someone who we would want £60 million for, for example. So, yeah. Well, with all this talk of, you know, the wayward crossing and stuff, I mean, going just straight back to you, Ego, quickly, what would you tweak if you thought... Because we've seen what happened... Because I, do, I don't want to talk about Carlos Vinicius too much more now because I feel like I'm t- it's going to be when people are listening to the show it's like the meme of Jose Mourinho in the bus when he's taking his headphones off do you know when he's just sort of like oh not that shit you know it's just like I'm worried there are lots of people that don't yeah. know what we're talking about right now so, so I'm trying my best not, not to, to get onto this too much but I, the points that uh, you uh, 
Sarge made there about Vinicius is that I think Vinicius come, does a much better job for us and, and evidentiary as well, if that is a word, from when he's coming off from the bench, actually. Um, and, you know, you could say a lot of things about how Bobby Reed starting in the nine position, false nine position, didn't really work at Brighton. But it, it, it we managed to get that winner because of Vinicius coming off the bench and, and something different. So my question is, in a very long-rounded way, Wigo, is would you like to see maybe... Bobby Reed back in that position or someone like that because you also mentioning Brighton there from Sarge Brighton obviously used to have Trossard in a false nine position and even Arsenal did that scenario with, uh, with against us and won 3-0 now we're not Arsenal and we're not Brighton and we don't play with a flat, flat 4-3-3 either but to have for instance a winger who can cut in or an attacking midfielder like Trossard can do and play as a false nine maybe it's something would you like to see something similar to that and it, against Everton potentially Yes and no. Yes, because it wouldn't hurt to change it and we've got nothing to lose. No, because when we were at Brighton and I said to you that they put Lewis Dunk on Bobby Reed and Lewis Dunk's a very physical centre-back and we're about to go to uh, Everton who have James Tarkovsky and Connor Cody as centre-backs. It's probably more of a similar mould to Lewis Dunk. So if we can find a way to change how we played in that first half against Brighton, obviously Brighton are a much better team than Everton, as the table suggests. Uh, you know, we might get there and Everton might play like Barcelona. But um, from what I've seen, you know, that was just how Brighton played and we didn't get much of the ball anyway. So, you know, it could be worth a try. It could be worth seeing how that is. And, you know, if you're going to have Willian and Solomon, they've got pace. You know, can we exploit that? Can Bobby Reid potentially find them? And, uh, you know, it, it, I wouldn't say no, but there, there could be arguments as to why it wouldn't work. The thing with Brighton was is they, they pressed us so high and they made it so that really the only out ball was, was a direct ball. Okay. And that was where we missed, we missed Mitrovic because we didn't have someone to receive the direct ball. Um, Everton, I, I don't imagine Everton are going to press us like that. And it might mean that we can work the ball up towards the edge of their box without having to pump it up to Bobby Reed, And that, that might work better for him. The other thing was, is I did watch Everton's game against United at the weekend. And the, <laughs> their, uh, who were they playing? Uh, ben Godfrey was the left back. And I don't think Anthony at Man United is up to anything at all. I, I think he's a bit of a farce of a player, to be honest. I don't know how they've managed to spend that much money on him, but that's what Manchester United <laughs> I do. Love it. I love um, but Ben Godfrey was woeful. In, like His positioning was all over the place. The amount of space he was leaving, he, he didn't really seem to know what he was doing. And Anthony was in on goal like three times. It's just because he wasn't very good that he didn't score. Um, so if we can have... Willian out there or Bobby Reed if he plays out on the right maybe I don't know we, we can certainly exploit those wide areas and, and maybe it'll be a case of we don't have to go through the middle direct but we can hit channels directly because the Everton fullbacks aren't up to much. I think Seamus Coleman has been playing right back for them and, and as great as he has been over the course of his career he's not the player he once was by any stretch so you know I don't think he's going to be looking forward to coming up against Manuel Solomon if we start him I don't think he'd be looking forward to coming up against Willian either um, so those wide areas could be could be the, the place to hit now and, and then it becomes a case of can we get in from those wide areas so rather than going out wide and crossing in can we play into the channel when those wide players actually start to attack the goal more directly that might be the way we go at it that might provide a bit of a, an option for 
someone not so big through the middle, so not a Vinicius and more of a Bobby Reed in the centre area. I don't well, know. Well, this is actually I feel like we're we're actually going on to Everton now quite nicely. Um but what I'll say is so yeah, with Marcus Silva potentially doing that, this is something it's quite interesting that we're playing Everton next because we have never Marcus Silva basically was like sacked from Everton uh, for being quite stubborn, uh, for being uh, not flexible with his tactics, and just generally, yeah. And I'm just wondering if the Everton game coming up is going to be quite interesting in terms of are we going to see Marco Silva actually do this? Basically, is what I'm asking. We go because it feels like how many times do we need to see a broken record until we can actually change the song? You know what I mean? With the Vinicius pro- the project going on. In the... I mean, Everton are going to be well up for it, aren't they? It's going to be it's going to be a physical game. You know, it's a Sean Dyche team as well. Um, and that says it all. You know, we, we know what they were like when he was Burnley manager. Um, so, arguably, Vinicius might be the choice. He is a bit more physical, albeit he's not really shown it the last couple of weeks. So, um yeah, Bournemouth. The Bournemouth performance was probably worse than his West Ham performance uh, because he, you know, he was getting quite physical to centre back. So uh, it's tricky. It's a really tricky one for Silver, and I don't envy him at all because it's like, you know, obviously in the ideal world we have Mitrovic back next week, so you've got one more game of this. But actually, we've got many more games of this. I, I really don't know what way what way he's going to go with it. To be honest. I, I genuinely couldn't call it. I think he probably will still go with Vinicius, but I could be completely wrong. I just hope that Silva's going through a phase at the moment where there's just always another problem. Not not the tactics, not the players. It's it's you know it's the handballs, it's it's bans, it's referees, it's not looking at VAR properly. And I I just hope we sort of creep out of that because he's becoming a bit uh, predictable in terms of his criticism and just general moaning slightly. If I'm being honest, um, anything you'd like to add on Everton season, Sargent? Anything else you noticed on potentially you know how isolated their fullbacks were or Godfrey? being all over the place just I mean it seems like under Dice they're doing I thought they looked actually really really good um a couple of games ago um Onana still a big threat but just your general thoughts on this game and just because I think we haven't actually won that game like I said when Maja <laughs> scored for us and it's a tough place to go and and it's actually a manager that we've had a lot of tricky history with as well yeah, they're they're gonna they're banking on their home form aren't they I mean they they got battered by United and they looked really poor uh at the weekend but that's that's a, you know we don't we don't talk about free hits you know we when, when Fulham had the harder games earlier in the season we're like there's no free hits we want to get points wherever we can but Old Trafford you know Man United away for a struggling team you go there you see what you can get and you'll take whatever you can so they got beat they'll they'll brush that off and Dyche will brush that off because he knows how it works and they're banking on home form and home form is what's going to keep them up if they are going to stay up it's what kept them up last year so yeah we go said they'll be bang up for it they will it. It's a game where we we need our midfield to be at it because they are basic. They're they're basically going to be physical. Anana, Decore, big lads in there. You know, Palina's up to up to the task of of matching them. Absolutely no doubt about it. But we need everyone's energy, and Pereira's going to need to bring energy. Harrison Reed, if he starts, going to need to bring energy. If it's Lukic, he needs to bring energy. Yeah. I think that's where that's where the game's going to be won or lost. Will be in the midfield. It won't. It they haven't got a striker either. So. 
it won't be the strikers, you know, that dictate the game. It will be wide areas and and the middle of the pitch, I think. And that's that's what we need to make sure we're we're on top of from the off. And it's a tricky one. It's it's a tricky one just because of how we're playing earlier in the season. I'd have said we go there and we we steamroll them. Um, I'm not as confident now just because the wind's out of our sails a bit. Yeah, Dukure, uh is he he's banned still for our, our game? Is he because of the uh, breaking of the eyelash and Harry Kane that he performed a couple of? Oh yeah, possibly. Okay, yeah, well, possibly he's, he's actually not back yet. Well, yeah, that's something. And he's sort of been a bit uh, rejuvenated under Sean Dyche. He was always sort of quite a good player. There. He's always very good for, um, for Marcus Silva as well. Um, so that's interesting. That's interesting. I, I is there anything else you want to add on this game? Um, we go, mate. And any thoughts on just Everton in general, and just like if you can see us actually getting a win, or if if you can see us getting a win, when when it would be if it isn't this game. Basically, because I said at the start of the pod, I don't with our style of play. I don't think we're awful. I don't think we're going down. But I actually can't see where our next wins are coming from. To be honest, just because I'm I mean, quite disillusioned with the style of play. I hope so because it's going to be a long old day on Saturday. If if I don't think we're going to get a win, I mean, you know, it's it's You're a going, bit of, of a journey. Of course, of course, it's a bit of a journey up there. Yeah. Uh, and whilst I have already said multiple times, it's going to be an absolute slog. Um, yeah, of course we can win you know it's just one of those things every team goes through a bad patch of form it happens it's you know we could go there and we could turn up and play the best football we have all season am I expecting that probably I think not no the, the reason I'm being all kind of J-Mac about it but the reason I'm being J-Mac about it is because I'm worried all the time is because it's our fifth consecutive defeat and this is we're in an uncharted uncharted territory with Marcus Silva because we've never lost that amount before and and we know what happens with Marcus Silva teams in the second half of the season um, under Everton and arguably us last year uh, but just we've we've never been in this in this run of fix uh, run of defeats before and I'm always worried that you know he can't ever but it was going to happen though. at some point, wasn't it? Of course, it was going to happen at some of point, and we're safe. Like this, like you know, anyone would have snapped your hand off for seventeenth place, and to stay up on goal difference on the last day of some the season. Some people think we're still getting relegated yeah. on Twitter. Like, <laughs> I know, it's not like, I know, it's not but good. that's it. We're <laughs> we're safe. Like I, we're safe. I really just you know, every team goes through a bad patch of form. We absolutely walked the championship last year. All right, we only finished two points out of Bournemouth in the end. And we had a actually we had a bad run of form towards the end of last season. We we were pretty dire. So you know we've been through it before. All right, we were sort of we knew we were going to get promoted and potentially win the league. So it happens. It happens to every team. Some sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes it happens every season. It's just one of those things. Of course, we can win. We can. We could beat any team in this league. Anyone can beat anyone in this league. It happens. And yeah, Saturday is going to be an interesting day. I I am half tempted to walk past Goodison Park and head over to Aintree for the Grand National, but I probably won't. I'll, I'll still go to Goodison at oh, three o'clock. But uh, yeah, so okay. it's going to be going to be a busy day Saturday up in uh, up in Liverpool. But it, it'll be it'll be a good day out again. And uh, I know that the away fans will go and uh, go and back the team like we have done all season. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, uh, granted, it's a manager bounce, but if Sir Roy Hodgson can get five goals <laughs> at, uh, at Elland Road, I mean, what a result that was. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, anyone can beat anyone. And I guess I just need to remind myself that actually we we still look solid, you know, like you said. like it, It's not that we were actually awful against West Ham. We were just unlucky. Um, yes, the play is a bit 
repetitive but I wouldn't say that we we still look very solid as a Premier League outfit I wouldn't say oh god we look like we're going down um, but it's interesting the relegation zone now because it is starting to take a little bit more of a picture now just have you got any different ideas of who will actually go down such because of it it feels like Forrest uh, in deep trouble and obviously Leicester just it's just appointed Dean Smith and I don't know if that's preparing for next year but it's only it's only till the end of the season that contract so I'm not sure yeah, there's a lot of teams that are down there. But I think what will happen, actually, when you talk about where's our next wing going to come from, as you say, it is starting to take a bit of shape. So someone, Some teams are going to start to string results together. So Wolves look like they've got their shit together. Um, and a few others will start to. And what, what will start to happen over these next few games is some of those teams will make themselves safe and they will be more on the beach than us because they'll be like, thank fuck for that. And the momentum in their season will be gone because they've achieved what they set out to achieve and, and they will just drift. Sure. So we are going to come up against teams that are in a similar boat to us. Um, and the other thing to remember is as well, playing these teams that are down there, and this is what the squad need to remember, those teams are down there for a reason. Yeah, they're fighting. Yeah, they're absolutely desperate for every point they can grasp, but they're down there because they're shit. Um, you know, Everton are down there because they're shit. And let's be honest, they've been shit for two seasons. Yeah. And that's you know that's objective that's not me you know having an opinion on it that is objective they've been down there for two seasons in a row because they're not a good football team at the moment and that is just how it is and that will be the case when we play Everton it will be the case when we play Leeds in a, in a couple of weeks it, you know that's where we're at some of these teams aren't very good we have been good and we will pick up results it's, it's going to happen and also you look at a Crystal Palace now Crystal Palace are getting to a point where they're pretty much safe aren't they we've got them right at the end of the season that will be again a game between two teams that probably don't have a lot to play for, but we'll be at home and and you know we'll we'll pick up some points there, I would imagine. So I think it's just a case of riding this out. Something will happen. One will go in off Vinicius's arse or something, and and that will take us to a one nil or a two nil victory, and things will seem all right again. The, the fact of the matter is, we're still in the top half of the table. If Chelsea are losing away at Wolves. I, you know, I don't think we need to worry too much about our position yeah, in the table. I, I, you know, that that covers the score prediction as well. I, I I haven't done a score prediction. I didn't. We didn't predict one for the Man United one. I feel like, oh no, I'm just too nervous, and that didn't go down well. So actually, it's good we've got one prediction at least. We go. Would you uh, go on? Would you Would you say it's a two nil to uh, win for the Goodison Park? Oh, I don't know. I really don't know. One nil to us. Let's go with that. It's, I've got no reasonable ex- explanation as to why but I'll <laughs> say we win one nil pure and, and- 90th minute Solomon winner again for pure vibes it'll be unreal okay wicked that's all good and positive and now what we'll do is we'll move on to all other business here we go Fulham so there's uh, you've got Stuff that's been going on for the past few weeks in terms of transfers. You've got maybe, I've had rumours of ZH maybe coming to us. I think that would be quite good. Um, you've got, we're going to America, lads, which, which is nice, with replacing Leeds. Um, yeah, Don, Don, producer Don's uh, show, uh, raising his thumbs there in excitement. I feel like, um, yeah, it's everything that we didn't really want to happen in terms of, you know, the Premier League becoming quite... Uh, uh, Super League esque, like you know, with uh, all these tournaments and and I don't know where I'm going with this, but just your general thoughts on that, Wigger. I don't. It's gonna be. It's very good for our Fulham America fan base, I suppose. 
Yeah, exactly. And I suppose if you're going to look at it, you know, we get to play some of the teams before the season starts. You might get a little sneak peek into how they're how they're preparing for the Premier League. Yeah. Um, Playing Brentford yeah, in America is funny. That's going to be a, a pre-season tournament. I don't really. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have much more to add on it. Obviously, it's a bit different to Portugal last year, um, and it's it's obviously something that they've agreed to the Premier League, and obviously, and you know we're in that position where they know we're going to going to be in the Premier League next year, so they've decided to include us in the tournament. And Leeds's position is still in jeopardy, which is why they've been excluded. So there is something for anyone worrying about relegation. We're in the Premier League Summer Sixes tournament. Excellent. So and and I guess the other big news that's just come out is uh, the season ticket prices, Sarge. And, you know, I'm now just at a stage where I think it's awful. And I think you've got really good points being made on Twitter at the moment saying this just opens doors to people to go to Brentford because they're obviously a lot cheaper and look how much better they are than us in the table at the moment. But I just anything you want to add on to this news that because it seems like the renewals are actually the real sticking point for price i mean not the renewals are big upon the the actual new membership yeah so the renewals the renewals are they're still up on brentford and they're 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 an increase on what they were last year i think i think everyone was kind of expecting it they're probably a bit more of a hike than people were expecting as well um my my thing is that but I, I don't care what they charge for the Riverside stand. And I, I say that as someone that has only sat in the Riverside stand for two cup games this season. And genuinely, before that, I can't remember the last time I sat in the Riverside stand, even before it was being redeveloped. Um, I don't care what they charge people to sit in there. And I know there are people that have been long-time season ticket holders there that will disagree with me. And that is absolutely fine. But if they're going to build a new stand, they want to recoup some money, then that's where they can make their money. My issue is the price of the tickets in the Johnny Haynes stand and the tickets behind the goals. Our ticket behind the, if you want to sit in the middle of the stand behind the goal, it is 200 pounds more at Fulham than it is at Crystal Palace. And it's more than that at Brent. It's more than that difference if you go to Brentford. And people, I've seen people on Twitter sort of say, oh, well, you know, it's not bad for a London Premier League club. All right, but the majority of London Premier League clubs are Big six teams, Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea. You also got West Ham who are in the Olympic Stadium. So it's a completely different fan fan experience there. And, and West Ham fans have had their issues with that stadium as well. Crystal Palace and Brentford are kind of the, the comparison, really, in terms of the stature and the size of the club, um, the size of the fan base. And Crystal Palace yeah. will probably say, oh, we're way bigger than you. Yeah, fuck off. Um you know, we're, we're, that's that's where we're at. We're, we're teams that have had a history of going up, going down, coming back up. You know, Palace have stayed up for a while now, but their history has been up and down as well. Brentford are a new Premier League team, um, and they're quite local to us as well, which provides even further basis for comparison. And we are by far more expensive than those two teams. And that is a worry because it just represents that we're probably not getting value for money. The other side of it is that for the price that they're charging, the fan experience at Craven Cottage, beyond the football, beyond what goes on on that pitch, the fan experience at Craven Cottage is not good and hasn't been good for a long time. The, the facilities in the Hammersmith end are poor. Johnny Haynes' stand is a little bit better, but my God, is it dated over there. Like, let's be honest, that, that stand needs a refurb. It, you know, the wooden seat's a great character, but the concourse is, is not changed since I started going to football 25 years ago so 
they're not they're not really providing value for money on these tickets. It, it's just it's worrying because it's it's an easy win for the club. Ticket prices represent an easy win because it counts to such a little portion of the income for the club. When you think about how much the TV money they're getting now for the Premier League, we've pretty much guaranteed our status again next season. The TV money is going to go up again. This is an easy win for them to freeze prices. Brentford have freeze price, frozen prices um, for a second season in a row. You know, and they'll be delighted with that and their fans will be happy with that. They're in a new stadium, which, okay, we take the piss out of their stadium, but I bet the toilets are nicer than the toilets in the Hammersmith end. You know, I bet it, you know, I, I, I bet it's easier to navigate your way through the concourse. We were at Brighton a few weeks ago and I know we we're in the away end, so it's not going to be as busy. But, it, you know, it was pretty easy to get to the loot and it was pretty easy to get a beer. It's you know, £4.80 for a glass. That in the Hammersmith brilliant. End. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you go just go to the Hammersmith end. If you want a pint at half time, you need to get down there five minutes before half time and you need to accept that you might not get back to your seat until five minutes after they've kicked off again. It, you know, it's, it's not a good fan experience and they're charging through the nose for it at this point. As someone that doesn't currently have a season ticket, I've been very lucky. The likes of Wigo, for example, and our good pal Frenchie have hooked me up with tickets at points this season to games that I wouldn't have gone to because of the prices. I'm fortunate in that regard. But I've got a young son who at some point I would love to take with me to go and watch Fulham. And at the moment, the pricing of being able to take myself and him either on a match day ticket or now as a season ticket is making that it's making it a very questionable decision for me. And that's, that's a worry because I'm not going to be the only one in that position. I just don't really know what else to add on to this Wigo other than it, it's rubbish. And if I can't really see them going back on anything, I can see them maybe trying to do something fun with, I say fun, interesting with the membership scheme so they can actually give more discount and make it cost less up front. But it, it just seems like it's only going one way and, and that they don't actually really care about the fans as all the other outlets are saying on about for them. Yeah, but they won't. They won't do anything for the members, will they? Because the members thought they got shafted last year, like the yeah. season ticket holders. And we lo did. And behold, we lo did and get shafted. Exactly, but that's it. From and lo and behold, the season ticket. I expected the season ticket prices to go up. I'm not. I'm not shocked in the slightest that the season ticket prices have gone up. And I'm. I'm very lucky that where I sit, it's fairly reasonable for the level that we're at. You know, it's twenty three pound a game. Actually, not fairly. Re it's extremely reasonable, but there are people that can't afford to, that can't justify the extra money, and that is totally fair enough. And that that is the people that you know I feel sorry for because you know people have been going for years and years and years, and unfortunately, a rise will come, and it will just be a step too far. Football is just becoming expensive. Woking in the conference is twenty pounds, and that's if you pre-book. If you go on a day, it's twenty-two pounds. For a match day ticket, which which is ridiculous, really, if we're being if we're being honest. So it's all it's all going relative. I think the most reasonably priced tickets are in League One and League Two. I think the Championship are overpriced on a match day ticket. I think the Conference is overpriced on a match day ticket, and the Premier League is League One and League Two are probably where it's at because they're similar levels to the Conference, unless for a couple that are similar to the Championship. But the price rises. We're expected. It's, it's Fulham, isn't it? They, they've got a new stand to pay off. All right, the commercial revenue is actually, in comparison, a tiny amount, as Sarge said. And the facilities haven't been invested in at all. I think if they are going to 
have to try and justify the the increases that they keep bringing on. They do need to invest in the facilities. We need better toilets. We need better food options. Some of the food is total shit, and it is and for the price you pay for it as well. It, you know, it sits in an oven over at the school, and they wheel it over. Did you, it, like, did you see the burgers. footy scram? Like, crap! Like, so someone showed a hot dog, yeah, and that was, it's but that shit. was sabotage. That was sabotage by one of the away fans, basically it's asking shit. for nothing on the it's hot dog, pouring loads of mayonnaise on it, and making it look as awful as it possibly could. Now I think it's it's shit. It's have some, though, yeah. have some shame. Like, have some shame. If you're gonna, if you're gonna treat fans like customers, then provide a good customer service. Do you know what I mean? If you're expecting them to be customers, give them a good service and something to something to say that they had a good experience. It's it works both ways. And whilst the connection this season may have been one of its best between the players and the fans, so best connection on the pitch, off the pitch, the club couldn't be further apart from the fans. It is there it is so polarised at the moment. And the supporters are slowly alienating the supporters trust as well because it just doesn't feel like any progress is being made there either. And that's a really unfortunate position because the supporters' trust have always meant to be, be meant to have been the, the voice of the Fulham supporters, and a lot of supporters don't feel like their voice is being conveyed to the club, and not a lot is being done, and that is a really unfortunate position because it puts the supporters' trust in a very unfortunate middle ground where if they're not trusted by the fans, they're going to have no no power with the club either. It's it's a really tricky one at the moment. As I say, for my season ticket, I'm I'm quite lucky that I can I can justify the price increase, but there are plenty of people who can't, and they're the people I feel sorry for here. And um, yeah, it's a real shame. It's a real shame. Time will tell. Hopefully, hopefully we can something might emerge, some sort of. Well, yeah, look, hopefully it will get better. My my prices have gone up from you know 30, uh, 28 pounds something something to 34 pound 80 or something so it's it's not the worst it's not the worst yeah. i think in the law of averages it's all right but if you look at the riverside that's just taking yeah, no it's the I, I mean, mean unbelievable like yeah. like three like three grand all right you know it might be a certain seats but who in their right what club should charge three grand i don't grand, care how good that view is I, I was, yeah, no, I'll, no. Take, I'll just get a postcard no, you're, you're on mid-table yeah we're mid-table. Are we going to be fighting for the league next year? No. How can you justify charging a fan three grand? But there are people that pay it. So they think they can get away with it. But how can you honestly sit there and go, that seat is worth £3,000 for 19 games. What an absolute piss take. Like, you're just mugging people off there. That is that is just ridiculous. Who, do, who the fuck do we think we are? Who do we think we are? We're not. We're not challenging for Europe. Yeah, sorry, it's ridiculous. Sorry, it's, like, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's, just... it's a fucking joke. <laughs> it's it is. It's a joke. <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're yeah. Right. No, but three grand. Like, have have some fucking shame. Gonna... <laughs> sorry, excuse no, my language, right, but it's ridiculous. Gonna... Ridiculous. Three thousand pounds. Come we're... off it. I think we'll move on. <laughs> my my next bastards. question was going to be like, what's your what's your favourite type of Easter Sunday? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm going to ask. There's a picture going around in the other news section here. There's a pictures going around of uh, the next kit, and it's an Adidas kit. Apparently, we've run out of contract with them, so I think this is all fake. But um, it's just got these horrible like Tommy Hilfinger, uh, El Hilfinger. Hilfinger, Hilfinger shorts. Uh, like one, you know, bright bright red on one side and. Bri- uh, uh, black on the other or something I can't remember but it looks horrible and I was just going to ask you basically if if, we, if our kit provider did change who, you, who you're a fan of Sarge but just to lighten the load a bit before we get the fuck out of here so <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> uh, kit providers. Uh, I, I, I'd, I'd want to see something a bit different. I, I think our kits, our kit this season was actually quite nice, but our kits do tend to get a bit boring. I, I want to see like a Hummel kit or something like that. Something just a bit different. Just something, you know, just a new design. Something that we haven't seen yet, other than just sort of like you know some stripes down the sleeve. Um, something like that. I, I you know, the, the kit thing doesn't doesn't bother me that much i actually tend to sort of i'm one of those people that the kit comes out and it's different so i'm a bit like mm, i'm not sure and then the season goes on and i'm like i get used to it and i'm like oh, it's it's quite nice, always, you're so, either way you know it's going to yeah. be a hundred you know it's going to be a hundred pounds a shirt free grand hundred pounds fuck you just <laughs> yeah. throwing a take the piss <laughs> take the piss well look i'll buy it when the season's I, over and it's gone down I, to 20 quid on amazon <laughs> Yeah, I, I like that. I like that. Is it Castor? Castore? I don't know how you say it. it Newcastle have got it. Ones, yeah. Oh, mate. I'm They're real. Right. That's, that just looks Apparently, cool. they've been complaining like, about the quality of the Munster for some places. I don't know why. I, I think it was maybe the island shirt. Apparently, it's, it falls apart or something. But I like Castore a lot. I'll sack them off then. <laughs> well, look. Yeah. Or Macron. Macron's Macron. all right. I like yeah. Puma. I'm a Puma guy. Mm. I like I like Puma. We've had Puma. We need something different. We've had right, them. Okay. Get Kappa back. Too, Bring back Kappa. We've had too them. Tight, mate. Bring, too tight. Where's, where's, where's Airness? Where's Airness? <laughs> get them back. Pipex, what are they doing? Are they about? Well, look. See if we let's, get them back. Let's leave, let's leave it there. Um, if you're going to make a bet on the Grand National and there's a horse called Toffee Crisp, go for that one, Wigger, because that would be a good omen for us to win there. I... I had I had the winner last year of the Grand National, so actually I think I can do my own I can do my own betting okay. tips for the Grand fine, National. Fine, fine. It will it will it you will do lose. You, mate. you this do year. you. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Look. Thank no, you, well, mate. No, thank you very much to you. Thank you very much, Sarge. Thank you very much to producer Don Love. And yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back with a reaction to hopefully a lovely victory away at Goodison Park. And if you like what we're here, please tell your friends about us. We're on the social media outlets. We are on all the podcast outlets. And yeah, we'll see you again soon. Many thanks. Stay safe. Goodbye. Fulham.